Uh, today, we're going to talk about this book. This book. This book is called The Bible. And this book is God's Word to us. Everything that he's ever spoken about himself, that he's revealed about himself, that he's told us about himself, everything that we need to ever know about him is found right here. We don't need to look anywhere else. There's no additions to this book. As a matter of fact, he warns us not to make additions to this book or to take things away from this book, but to use this book as his spoken word to us. In this church, we believe that this book is true from beginning to end, that it has no mistakes in it, that it is God's word indeed, that it's living, that it speaks to us today just as much as it did in you know, the days of, of old, 2,000, 4,000 years ago. This book is divided into two parts. The uh, first part is called the Old Testament, the old stories, the old um, um, uh, history of the um, Jewish people. And the the new part of the Testament of the Bible is called the New Testament. And that's where we find the stories of Jesus and what happened after Jesus was on this earth. So we have two parts to the Bible. What we're going to look at today is a section that's known as the book of Ezekiel. Can you say Ezekiel with me? Ezekiel. Kind of a funky name. We don't have a lot of people named Ezekiel today. I don't believe that's one of the common names that they have in the, in the birthing wards and hospitals. But if you'll take your Bible, I put this in your handout. If you'll take your Bible and open it up in the middle, just open it up, it should open, depending on how much it has in maps and, you know, concordance and all that other stuff, should open up to the book of Psalms. If it's not, then find Psalms there somewhere. You'll see them. And if you go to your right from Psalms, just start thumbing through. You'll pass through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and a big book called Isaiah and a book called Jeremiah. That's a common name. We still hear that today. A book called Lamentations. And then we get to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. That means that he spoke to the people for God. And Ezekiel was a part of a group of people that had been forcibly taken out of Israel by a mean king uh, over the country of Babylon, Babylon. And Babylon is what is today called Iraq. You may, have, you may be familiar with the country of Iraq, but that's where Babylon was. The 
Jewish people had been taken from their homes and taken over to Babylon to be slaves for the Babylonians. God had told the people that this was going to happen to them because they had not obeyed him. And he told them that they would be in captivity, in exile, if you will, in Babylonia for 70 years. That's a long time. Some of you aren't 70 years old. Can you imagine being born in a country and dying in that same country and it's not your home? That would be sad, wouldn't it? Very sad. And Ezekiel was one of those people who had been taken from Jerusalem over to Babylon. And he even tells us about the time that this was. We can date it from the things that he talks about in the book of Ezekiel. He says it was about 597 B.C. That means 597 years before Christ was born. That's a long time ago. Because if Jesus lived 2,000 years ago... And this means we're talking almost 2,600 years ago. And I don't believe anybody in here was alive 2,600 years ago, even me. These people felt hopeless, absolutely hopeless, because they were in this land that was not theirs. They didn't want to be there. They were slaves. They were being held against their will. And, and you couldn't blame them for it, could you? think I would be the same way. By the time that Ezekiel wrote these words that we're going to read, they had been in exile already for many years, probably a dozen years, probably 12 years. And there was no end of their exile in sight. See, they had forgotten that God had said 70 years. They just, they just didn't see any end on it. They thought they would be there for Ever, perhaps. Deep down inside, you see, these people knew. They knew, just like we know, that nothing is impossible with God. They knew that. But just maybe not for them. Have you ever felt that way? You know that God can do anything. But it seems like he's not doing it for you, so, you know, maybe, maybe he can't really do everything. That's the way you're thinking. Doesn't make it true, but that's the way they were thinking. They were hopeless. They just, they couldn't actually uh, conceive of a time that they would be able to leave this land. Now, given the circumstances that they were in, if you were in those same circumstances... Would you believe that too? Would you believe that way too? Are any of you here today still believing that maybe God can't help you out of the situation that you're in? That maybe your situation is the one that is impossible for him. He can help all these other people, and I hear about him helping all these other people, but maybe, 
just maybe he can't help me. Another uh, prophet at this time was a fellow named Jeremiah. And there's a lot of uh, scholar, scholars, you know, smart people. I just saw the Wizard of Oz and the other night, and all these scholars have the doctor of thinkology, you know. And Jer- Jeremiah was, uh, lived in Jerusalem, and probably, the scholars say, probably taught Ezekiel. He might have been a teacher for Ezekiel. And the Lord told Jeremiah to write this. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. I don't believe I put this on, your, on, your, uh, on the board up here on the screens, but I do have it in your handout. Verse 10 from Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord says when 70 years, there it is, are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you and bring you to this place, back to this place. He's talking about Israel. He's talking about their home. He's talking about where their parents and grandparents were probably born and lived. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If they had only remembered what Jeremiah had said, this hopeless group of people, they could have trusted God, they would have known that there was an end in sight if they would do what God had told them, would, would tell them to do. So let's look again at this scripture that was on the screen here. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to read to you out of the Bible that we use in our kids' area upstairs. The New International Reader's version. Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord put his strong hand on me. His spirit brought me away from my home. He put me down in a valley. It was full of bones. So in, I guess, a vision or a dream... Ezekiel saw the Lord pick him up from where he was and put him down right in the midst of this valley that was full of bones. Verse 2, he led me back and forth among them. I saw a huge number of bones in the valley. The bones were very dry. The Lord asked me, Son of man, can these dry bones live? I said, Lord and King, you are the only one who knows. Why do you think God took Ezekiel to this death valley full of bones, dry bones? I think he wanted Ezekiel to see that these people 
whose bones were there were, were not nearly dead. They were totally dead. In another great line from the Wizard of Oz, the munchkins are saying, after the houselands on the wicked witch, she is not merely dead. She's really, really, really dead. And that's what God was saying to Ezekiel by taking him to this place with very dry bones. Verse 4. Then he said to, to me, prophesy. Oh, there's a big word. Can you say prophesy? Prophesy. Let me tell you what prophesy means because we have it all screwed up in our minds as to what this really means. He said, tell these people exactly what I tell you to tell them. You got that? God said to Ezekiel, tell them exactly what I tell you to tell them. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Kind of like this book right here. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Tell them, dry bones, listen to the Lord's message. The Lord and King speaks to you. He says, I will put breath in you. Then you will come to life again. I will attach tendons to you. I will put flesh on you. I will cover you with skin. Then you will know that I am the Lord. That would, that would speak to me, I think. I think it would speak to me. So I prophesied just as the Lord commanded me to, Ezekiel said. As I was prophesying, as I was telling them, these bones, exactly what the Lord told me to tell these bones, I heard a noise. It was a rattling sound. The bones came together. One bone connected itself to another. I saw Tendons and flesh appear on them. Skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell it. The Lord and King says, Breath come. Come from the four directions, come into these dead bodies, then they can live. So I prophesied, just as he commanded me to. I told him, told the breath just exactly what God told me to tell the breath. And the breath entered them. You know what? Then they came to life. They stood up on their feet. Like they were a huge army. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, these bones stand for all the people of Israel. The people say, Could this be us? Could this be us? The people say, Our bones are dried up. We're dried up. We've lost all of our hope. We're completely cut off. So prophesy, tell them, the Lord and King says, my people 
I am going to open up your graves. I'm going to bring you out of them, out of your graves. Boy, that would be a sight, wouldn't it? Then you will know that I am the Lord. You are my people. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again. Then you will know that I have spoken. I have done it, announces the Lord. Wow. That's some good stuff. It's kind of scary, isn't it? A valley with bones. I mean, you can see the picture up there. As far as you can see, bones. Who are they? What are they doing there? How long have they been there? They've been there a long time. They don't have skin on them. They don't have flesh on them. They don't have muscles. They don't have tendons. The animals have taken all that stuff. And, and, and they're not just a skeleton there. They're washed out. They're dry bones. They've been bleached by the sun over who knows how many years. They're dry. They're totally dead. They're not nearly dead. They're really, really, really dead. So the question is never whether God has the power to do something, but rather if he chooses to do something. Nothing is impossible with God. It just may be that he chooses not to do it right now. Not to do it in the way that I would like for him to do or the way I would expect him to do it. Maybe he's got a different plan. Remember Jeremiah said he had a plan that was good. It was to prosper me. It was for my good. It was, it was not a plan that was going to harm me. It, was a, it is a plan that's going to give me hope. That's a promise. He's going to give me hope. And he's going to give me a future. Now, what about applications here? Do you think that... Uh, I started to say Hezekiah. Do you think Ezekiel has any questions or hesitations when all this is going on? Do you? If he did, there's nothing in the Scripture that records that he did. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I would have had questions. I just, I, I know me, and I know I would have had questions. I don't know about you, but instead of some sort of instant obedience, I too often want to question what God's plan is. I don't know whether you do that or not, but I do. Instead of saying, yes, sir, right away, sir, I tend to say something like, you want me to do what? Now, I'm quite sure that I would have had some sarcastic response like, uh, so, God, let, let, me, let me see if I'm understanding you correctly. You're saying that the solution 
your solution for a valley full of dry bones in order for them to live again is a sermon? That's what you're saying? Sure. You, you want me to make this sermon have three alliterative points and a poem? Is that what you want? Instead, what did Ezekiel do? He prophesied in verses 7 and in verses 10. You can look in, in your um, handout there and see those. Just as God had commanded him, he told them exactly what God told him to tell them. And because Ezekiel trusted and obeyed God, you know what? He got to see God do some amazing things. Absolutely amazing things. Who could ever look at that and think that that could come to life again? Well, let me ask you, what about you? What about you? What are you seeing God do because you believed him. Because you trusted him. Because you obeyed him. And I guess the negative of that would be, what are you missing out on because you don't? What is it? It seems to me that God's process for turning these dead bones into living beings involved two steps. They're two simple steps. They're two steps that we talk about in Alpha. Those of you that have been in our Alpha course. The first step is this. It involves the Word of God. The Word of God. The follower of Jesus named Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament in a letter that he wrote to the people, that, the Christians that lived in Rome, said this in chapter 10 of Romans. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Proclaiming just means that we're speaking it. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the word that you have in your mouth and in your heart. How does it get there? It gets there by memorizing God's word. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if I tuck that away in my heart somewhere, when the moment comes that I can speak to someone else, the Holy Spirit will help me remember those words. And they will be not just in my heart, but also in my mouth available to speak, memorizing and speaking God's Word. So the first step is the Word of God. The second step is 
the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit. You see, we're born because God forms us. But we're reborn because God fills us. I didn't put all of Genesis chapter 2 in your handout. But you might want to make a note of Genesis chapter 2. This is in the middle of God creating everything around us. All the sky and the water and the birds and the fish and the trees and the fruit. And and then in chapter 2, he creates man. A man named Adam. And in chapter 2, after he creates Adam, Adam looks alive. He looks like he's alive when God formed him out of dust. You see, God scooped up a handful of dust and created Adam out of that. Created you out of that. But Adam was made alive when God did what? He breathed into him. He was not alive until God breathed his spirit, breathed his breath into the man. He got that? God forms us and we're born. We looked several weeks ago at Psalm 139 that says we're, we're formed in our mother's womb. We're knit together. All the bones and tendons and muscles and uh, skin and organs and all that, it's all put together in our mother's womb. And we're born. But Jesus told a religious man who came to see him that he couldn't get to heaven to live with Jesus unless he was reborn. And you're reborn by God filling you with his Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the praise band to come up. While they're coming up, I, I just want to ask you a couple more questions here because I think they're questions that that apply, apply to all of us. What's your state of being today? As you sit here today, March 26, 2017, in this warehouse in, in uh, Longs, South Carolina, what's your state of being today? Do you look alive? Some of you don't even look alive. Is this over your head? You have a new outfit. You got that on. You're driving a new car out there in the parking lot. You just moved into a new fancy house. You've got friends who you hope are always going to be there for you. You go to church. You read your Bible. 
Sometimes you even pray when you need to. You're wearing that big Christian smile this morning as you entered the door. I want everybody to think everything's fine with me. Everything's just fine. Is that you? You look alive? Or are you dead today? Are you here today without any hope? Are you here lost? And you're so lost you don't even know where to find the way out of the lostness. You see, Ezekiel's role was simply to prophesy. God told Ezekiel. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tell him a bunch of things, steps that he had to go through. He said, Ezekiel, tell these people exactly what I tell you to tell them. Ezekiel's role was to prophesy. And God's role... God's role was to produce the results... And it's no different than with you and me today. It's exactly the same way with us today. Our role is proclamation, and God's role is renovation. I can't renovate nobody, nor can you. All I can do is tell them what God tells me to tell them. All that you can do is tell them what God tells you to tell them. And then it's God's responsibility to make a change. You know what, what is so exciting about this church? Is that we have got, gotten to sit back and see that happen. Time after time after time after time. After time. Just like those Israelites, those Jewish people in exile, we forget that. We forget that those things have ever happened. We have seen them with our own eyes, we felt them with our own hands. We've tasted and seen that God is good. And that he only wants the best for us. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up as well. Whoever's here on ministry team this morning. I put on the back of your hand out there that I would be doing this. It's an opportunity for you to come and, and talk to them about your life situation. We're going to have an opportunity right now as the praise band sings this song that I asked him to do, and I thank you. Uh, I'm going to have an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to work with us, to move in us, to move us from a place of hopelessness, helplessness, lostness, unhappiness, brokenness, 
to move from those into the presence of God. Connected to Him by His Holy Spirit. You see the big idea for today. I've used this before and if you hang around here at all, you're going to hear me use it again. Because it's absolutely true. God loves to change funerals into resurrections. That's what he's about. He's a resurrection kind of God. He can bring life into anything. He can bring life into anyone. Even you as you sit here today. He can bring life into you. So, oh God, breathe the breath of life into us. Come breath. Come Holy Spirit. Come just now.